Hello, thank you for tuning in. You are listening to the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. For network or show information, visit byteradio.me or call 843-808-0777. And now, the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. Good day, everyone, and thank you for joining us for today's show. Today, my special guest is Arnie Fryman, and we will be talking about his new book, Befriending Your Stranger, An Active Journey to Inner Joy. With self-help memoir, Befriending Your Stranger, comes a new way of thinking, an invitation to healing, and open spirituality through meditation and the deep work. Arnie uses personal anecdotes, poetic instruments, and thought-provoking exercises to guide readers toward ultimate happiness and the life change that so many of us are seeking. Arnie Feynman doesn't fit into just one box. His life work has led him to be an ordained religious leader, certified spiritual director, chaplain, poet, certified financial planner, founder of a post-religious center and a health and wellness consulting firm, and a key mover and shaker to the first acupuncture and naturopathic schools in the U.S. And Arnie is also a cancer survivor and father. For more information, you can visit his website, which is arniefryman.com, and that's A-R-N-I-E-F-R-E-I-M-A-N.com. So with that, I'd like to welcome Arnie to the show. Good day, sir. Hi, good day to you. Thank you. Well, it's it's a pleasure, and and your your book is a, a joy to read with uh, your life experiences in there, and and and, uh, and the diversity with with uh, exercises and poems. I mean, there's just so much there. So, would you mind sharing with the listeners what what was the seed inspiration for this book? How, you know, how did the the whole idea for this book come about? Oh, boy. Well, I was awakened literally every night at about 3 a.m. until I got numerous headaches. And I said, boy, I've got to do something. So I got a pad of paper and put it next to the bed. And every single evening, poetry started flowing out. And After a while, I started to get into some deep communication with my inner self, looking at that and asking, could it come at three in the afternoon instead of three at night? (laughs) Um, Meanwhile, I've been doing a lot of work, um, both on myself and in my practice. Um, And um, throughout the years of you know, I started the first acupuncture school and then I started the first naturopathic college in California. And through the different things I was doing, stories evolved. Um, and blending that with the poetry and the stories and then looking at practices that we can do in our life to begin to make some shifts. So it all coalesced into this book and so it's a rather unique book. I mean, I had no idea that a book, I'd write a book, it opens, each chapter opens with blessings and then goes into stories and then goes into the poetic and then practices. It just evolved. And so the next, this is the first book of a series and the next work is going to be looking at um, what I call going into the portal. It's a dynamic meditation um, looking at rewriting our stories, the stories that we're telling ourselves that we live. And so many of us are living stories that really are not our own. And that's where the title, Befriending a Stranger. We're living stories that are other people's or other institutions or other from religions to schoolhouse to workplace to parents, friends. And we're living these stories and we forgot who we are. And so a lot of the work is how to come back to ourselves and rewrite those scripts so that we live in a place of deep joy. Yeah. 
Yeah, the, the you know idea of you know our stories kind of being guided by those past chapters um, is uh, you know I think a lot of people are right now at that. I mean, your book, book is timely because I think people right now are recognizing or at least seeing that you know those stories are distinctly different from what they're feeling. You know, and uh, now with with being awoken at 3 a.m. and, and the poetry, I, I kind of chuckle with that one because I just, you know, it, it just seems that if um, inspiration is going to come, it's going to want to get your attention, you know, and, and I think it kind of has a, a unique way of being able to identify exactly how am I going to get you know, Arnie's attention, how am I going to get Robert's attention, you know, what's the best way to do that, and um, and, I, and I think it's it's just wonderful to be able to listen to that and and what you did so you know because i think a lot of, right now i mean i've had many people telling me lately that their their sleep patterns are just off the wall with you know early morning periods of wakefulness and, and not even knowing what to do with that well we first need to pay attention it's hard with all the noise around us particularly right now how crazy is it living in the U.S. currently? What a, what a place to really center ourselves and to get really quiet. And as we listen to the stories that are arising within us, do they feel, you know, like home? Do we feel a sense of that comfort uh, that we do when we're home? And if they're not feeling that way, and we get these little uh, moments where we, you know, we just get feelings that don't feel very comfortable. We need to now really listen to that and find whatever way works for us. We all listen and learn in our own unique ways, but we need to do it. So for me, it was writing poetry and um, rewriting stories within, you know, the the third eye or the mind's eye um, and going in there and really paying attention and recognizing we can rewrite these stories and scripts until they feel, uh, you know, that they're appropriate, that they're in harmony with ourselves. So the story that we think we've been living may not be us. It may not be appropriate. And first it's to just acknowledge that we, we really can look at those stories and, and choose to play with them, um, and nobody can say not to. Well, people can say whatever they want, but to find <laughs> right. that place within, right. Right, within ourselves. So a lot of that work is to acknowledge and honor our own stories. And if we don't know how to get to those stories, that's where a lot of the work that I'm doing um, will help us uh, get to them. Yeah. Now, in the book, you indicate that there's that there's an internal code of core beliefs and values that we each have, um, and that you know we may have not not recognized it, but it's but it's different for each person. Um, so, can you explain a little bit about you know the um, the idea of having that core system, that core code, and and then is is that where home is, basically? Well, it is. It's it, again, as we walk down the street in our daily walk, our daily activities. Do we have a sense of meaning and purpose? Martin Buber calls that a clearly identifiable center, and. Victor Frankl wrote so eloquently about his experience in the concentration camp and saying even in the worst of the worst, he had a sense of purpose and meaning. He knew who he was and what he was about. What is it in the midst of everything that's going on in our lives that calls to us? Who are we in that place that we find that center, that clear, clearly identifiable center, that place of home? And can we name it? Naming it 
doesn't even have to be a word, right? We can name it by painting. Well, we can name it by doing movement. Uh, we can name it in so many different ways, writing poetry. But however we express that, first to ourselves, that we feel that sense of comfort um, and alignment so that our body feels in alignment with our being, with our mind, with our heart. Uh, one of the exercises that I offer is to just cup cup our hands right on our heart. Don't think about anything. Don't don't you know do anything other than putting our hands on our heart because a feeling will arise. Inevitably we're gonna feel something. Does that feel really good to us? Do we feel a sense of home and comfort? And if not, if we begin to shake a little bit, if we begin to feel a little uncomfortable, whatever's arising, then to look at that and to listen and start to reframe some of the stories that we're telling ourselves and keep going back to the heart. Even more powerful is to stand in front of a mirror and cup our hands on our heart and begin to see that being in the mirror that's looking at us, is it smiling? Or is he or she smiling back? How are we feeling about ourselves? Do we know? Can we, can we now name it, what it is that we're feeling, and that sense of deep inner purpose and meaning? And in a time, I don't know if this is unique, but in any time, if we can't name it and honor it and be playful with it, Maybe looking in the mirror, start dancing, whatever, start writing, start drawing pictures, just take out colors and don't even make shapes, just just play with it, whatever we want to experience with that, to get to that place of going, I'm beginning to feel a sense of balance within our, myself. Um, each of us, you know, a big thing for many of us is that growing up, we were told whatever. We were told. People were telling us things, whether it was our parents, our religion, our school, our work, always being told. When we're being told things, and even to the extent that we're being told things as truth, and some of us, many of us, after a while begin to believe Maybe that is true. And so as we do that, our self becomes a bit of a stranger and we start to try to fit in. We're social beings. We like our tribe. We like to go out. We like to work. We like to go to school. We like all these things. Are we bringing ourselves fully to those experiences or are we bringing ourselves less and less over the years? So how do we share in a place of, of coming together in a community, in the school, in work, in wherever, in the family? How do we share with one another without having the need to tell? How could a, a faith group, for example, share the idea of the sacred? of sacred meaning in our lives without having to tell us what it is. Each of us will listen to our own, but we want sometimes a guide, a teacher, a community, friends to help us to see our own story, not to be told uh, what the story is as truth. So, yeah, that makes sense. Now, yeah, so now the stranger, the befri befriending your stranger. So one's stranger would be the one that was, has been lost on that authentic kind of origin um, or, or one that, that is free of being told different things, that living, living how for do, one's How own. do we – yeah, so instead of telling – how about sharing? How about the idea 
that, for example, in in the realm of the sacred, we have uh, many religions that want to tell us the way that it is, mm-hmm. and and they might have different paths, but they're telling us that their path is the true path, rather than saying, you know, this path was a path of the founder of this faith group, or was, mm-hmm. you know, that just a story that arose, and why I'd like to share that story with you, and then I'd like to listen to your story. So how do we assist each of us to find our own story rather than telling or being told? Um, right. In that place of being told over long periods of time, things happen within us, and it could be a trauma. And, and it, it could be numerous things that we are now getting a little confused with our own story, or we don't want to hear our story because we're maybe liking uh, the coming together in a religious setting with other people, and we may not even buy into that story, but we like to be with the folks, so we begin to squash our own story. How can we get together with folks in the realm of the religious or the sacred where we enhance each other's uh, inner stories rather than saying your story's a little a little silly or your story doesn't fit? Um, you know, there are some faith groups, as we know, that say children can't celebrate their birthdays and holidays. Another faith group will say, we absolutely have to do that, but you can't do the, You can't eat certain things. And another faith group, is, and we can go down the list of all the different things that are dogmatized and created to keep us. And that becomes the realm of belief rather than the realm of faith. So that Faith is a beautiful thing to explore this sense that we can't, and we may not be able to visually see faith all the time, but it's a deep thing within us that we hold. It's a place where a smile comes on our face, different than belief sometimes telling us what what to hold. It's a very subtle yet dramatic difference um, to be with a group, to be with our family, to be in the school, wherever where people actually do their most wonderful gifts to each of us by sharing and bringing out the best within our own stories rather than telling us uh, what's right or wrong. Yeah, yeah, I I agree. It it is so important. And your book is – goes through basically a process for for individuals to follow and and you know part of that is making sure that you have a community that supports um those your beliefs you know what what you not what you've been told but what you feel at heart level now the subtitle of your book is an an active journey to inner inner joy so um and I've noticed throughout your book um being active um, in your story is important. Um, so can you share a little bit about that? I mean, because it seems like it's an important message throughout the book. Well, it is. And um, for there, there's different ways to engage in our life. And what I'm, I'm a creative being, so I like to be a participant in the creativity of my life and I'm not a very passive person in that I'll just wait uh, for my life to take on stories of its own. I want to participate in those. And so throughout my journey, I, for example, in uh, my, my first graduate school program, I was studying higher education and then looking at human behavior And in a laboratory, I was working with this extraordinary uh, retired surgeon who was a theosophist, and we started to explore different states of consciousness and looking at uh, how energies, uh, frequencies, vibrations uh, operate at different realms. And it was pretty amazing stuff. 
Uh, we could actually photograph some of that. We can do movements with some of We were just exploring in different ways. And one day, we came across veterinary acupuncture charts. And acupuncture was, at the time, illegal in the U.S. And very little was known. And we started to experiment in different ways. And I said, I'm getting really excited about looking at movement patterns of energy that are specific to uh, healing on all dif- different levels, physical and spiritual and mental and so on, that I had not experienced before in a Western education. And as we began to explore this, I said, I think I need to leave for a little while. I need to now study all the different Eastern approaches to energy, to the movement of thought, the movement of feeling, the movement of no self, the movement of just allowing what arises to enter. And I took a a journey for a number of years beginning to explore the different ways to access information rather than just taking information in through the mind. And I learned how to take information in through the heart and then the heart sending that out and, the, for example, into the mind where the neurotransmitters will send it through the body. It begins to explore taking an active role in my life and just staying open to where that life may go. I had no, I didn't know that it would lead to the study of acupuncture. So I got two degrees in acupuncture and studying Chinese medicine and opening a school. I had no idea where that would go. Staying open to that. And that led to the beginning to look at if I can move energy within the body to actually bring about healing. How else can we do that? There's got to be other ways other than needles, with herbs, with getting uh, to really allow the mind to, to really direct the mind in ways rather than the mind directing what I was doing my whole life. How do I begin to open up so that I can now direct these things? And as we begin to keep doing and exploring and being active in our life, and active doesn't mean just walking down the street or playing football, uh, mm-hmm. actively engaged. Active can be the active meditation, the active going within very deeply. So I created a model that I've taken from other sources and experiences where I go into what I call the portal, and in that portal, begin to take an active participation in this very meditative way of rewriting the scripts and going into these different places that I can now visualize within my being. And while there, starting to participate in that sort of heart-centered and mind-centered ways. So it just begins to get the sense that, in fact, as we now know today, we can clearly if not control, at least participate in the way that we begin to live our lives, in the way that we talk to ourselves and journey with ourselves, and then, in fact, bring that out and offer that as a gift to others, rather than, again, telling to share that gift with other people. Yeah, I agree. And, and you know, that approach is that exploration, you know, that uh, inner work that, that you do is, you know, the, obviously the place that you, you know, need to start in order to um, be able to identify, you know, what, um, what, what, is, what is internal versus what, are, what things that you feel at heart, at heart level are, are right or resonate, you know, versus things that you've been told. Now, part in the book, there's um, you go through basically um, a process 
in you've titled the the different there are different qualities of the heart. There are eight qualities of the heart. Um, so can you maybe give us an idea on how um, how that came about? You know, again, yes. it's, it's a process. So can you tell us about that? Yeah. So when we begin to um, reclaim the story, our, our authentic story. The first thing is to go in and reclaim it. <clears throat> and we do that by turning down all that noise that's coming in, <clears throat> trying to fill us up with messages, with stories that may or may not resonate with us. So we want to reclaim ourselves, our story. And then we want to share that. We want to see if it makes sense as we, again, you know, go into the world. So we want to proclaim that story. Not not standing on a soapbox, just putting ourselves right. out there in the world as we do with this new story that, or not new, with the, the story that we find more in alignment with ourselves. And so it leads to an opening. We're making space now to bring ourselves into the world, into our daily walk. Um, and then again, we keep coming back. So it's listening. So how do we connect with ourselves now and then with others in healthy ways? How do we connect with others where we're not judging, but in fact, as we begin to feel more and more secure in our own story, finding our own home, our center, it makes it, at least I could say in my life, I could then listen to other folks' stories and go, oh, my God, that is just amazing. And just to listen to another story that resonates for them and just being with, for no other purpose but to just be with rather than saying, oh, I'm going to try to take some of that into my life. I'm going to, well, what about, I'll share with you, why don't you look at this story for you? Um, but instead, it's just listening. And then in the uniting, it's how do we then come first to ourselves again and then with each other where we're actually meeting a person without having to tell about and Martin Buber, again, who you probably get a sense was really important in my life, when Martin Buber said one of the definitions of God is meeting. How do we truly meet each other? Are we listened to? Are we heard? And can we come together in a meeting without, again, having to dominate one another or control one another to telling one another, how do we do this in just the purest way of meeting another person? And by in that meeting that person, we're befriending. We're actually coming together in that meeting, in that deep sense of care, and in that beautiful place of caring and meeting, the only thing that's left is to appreciate, is to honor is to feel that deep sense of gratefulness and in the gratefulness for just the sheer gift of having this life as Heschel, Abraham Heschel talked about. It's just what an extraordinary gift that we've been given to just be alive and to be able to share this with each other. Absolutely. So that that's uh, the... the Eight qualities. I want to, we want to take just a, a real quick 90-second break here, and I do want to invite listeners, if you would like to call in and ask Arnie any questions, you can call in at 619-789-4359. And for those listening live in the chat room, if you have any questions to pose to Arnie, feel free to type them in the chat room. Um, and then when we come back, Arnie, I want to take just a, a closer look at a, a few of those qualities, um, just so that the, the listeners can, can get a good idea of, of the book, okay? Okay. Yeah, great. Great. Okay, everyone stay tuned. We'll be back after this very brief break. Hello, this is Robert Sharp. I want to thank you for joining us 
and hope that you are enjoying today's show. Just a reminder that we have a wealth of information and resources available on our website, byteradio.me. There is a calendar of upcoming shows along with an archive link that will give you access to more than 1,400 shows we have had over the past nine years. Also on the site is a link to the products and services we provide, books, photography, a wellness store, and self-publishing assistance. Our show is a free podcast on iTunes, Blog Talk Radio, iHeartRadio, and TuneIn. And you can subscribe for free on any of those platforms by using the links on our website homepage. We are on many social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, etc. And we also have buttons to those platforms at the top of our homepage. Our website, ByteRadio.me, has much for you to explore and enjoy. I also very much appreciate you supporting our guests, and especially today's guest. And now, back to the show. Okay, everyone. Thank you for staying with us. Again, today my very special guest is Arnie Fryman, and we are talking about his new book, Befriending Your Stranger, An Active Journey to Inner Joy. And again, uh, you can find out more uh, about Arnie and his book by visiting his website, which is arniefryman.com, and that's A-R-N-I-E-F-R-E-I-M-A-N.com. And his book is also available at Amazon and other leading bookstores. (laughs) So with that, uh, welcome back, Arnie. Hi. Thank you. So I want to kind of go into just a little bit of detail on on a couple of those eight characteristics. And, and, you know, we talked a bit about in the first half about reclaiming um, and finding one's own truth. Um, Now, the the second um, quality was the proclaiming. And um, on that one, I wanted to get your feeling on that because once we reclaim our truth you know what what we feel is true a lot of times that will counter uh, you know the people who are telling us things (laughs) you know that's not what I told you you know that's not what you've been you know instructed on Um, so how do we um, go about um, proclaiming uh, that with um, those who feel otherwise, who you know, who are all played into that old story. Oh, if I understand what you're saying, the Buddha said that a sangha, a community, is very important. But a sangha that is trying to tell us things and put things into our being that's not in alignment with our story, that's not supportive of our work, is not really a supportive community. And so one of the big things that we learn is discernment. How do we discern that our friends, family, and so on are truly wanting to support our journey and open to our supporting their journey without telling about, without controlling. It's a very important piece. Matter of fact, if I may, one of my poems, which, as you gather, I like poetry. (laughs) And and wonderful poems, by the way. I I really kind of appreciate the poetry. (laughs) I, I like the rhythm of the words, and I like using fewer words. Let me read this one. Into the yes, it feels strange, as though I've been taken hostage into another land with smiles and chatting going on all around. Where am I? And who asked for this? It's hard for me to hide. I always sit in the back. And this room is round. I can't find a place to hide. And others are looking at each other. 
but no one's voice is dominating or leading away. It feels spacious, unnerving. How do I find a place as no one pushes or tells, allowing me to enter or not? Someone has always been in front, spouting stuff as right and wrong. So often it's hard to find my way, to listen in the quiet. So where are the talkers, those who tell which way it all goes? As I hear quiet, the unnerving presence of yes enters as a whisper. And without loud wind beating down my armor, its sound is stronger, spacious, and I slowly feel me, sacred joy. Wow. You know, I, I, I know many a time I've felt that um, discomfort with, um, you know, being in, in the situation, the yes kind of environment. And, and to me, it's, I don't know, I think it's kind of sad in a way. I mean, for, for me it was. It was sad that, that I was not comfortable with that. I mean, it was like, uh, you know, I should be, you know, this is like supportive and it's positive and uplifting and, you know, so why is it not making me, why, is it, why am I, I uncomfortable? Um, now, in your book, you ask the reader a lot of questions, <laughs> you know, and I don't think that's an understatement, you know, because, I mean, I would go through one page and it's like, oh, I need to stop and think about, ponder this one or ponder that one. And so your book is set up for the reader to really dive into self-examination. Um, is Was that, I mean, was that like an intentional um approach that you wanted that you wanted the reader to yes. to begin questioning yes very much so it came from um when i did a workshop and i asked for feedback you know after a few days uh one of the things was a couple of folks wanted uh, me to take more authority. And I thought about that for quite a while. I still think about it. And I was thinking the only authority I'm interested in taking is for myself. And I want to offer uh, strategies and uh, uh, environment, a, a way of being for each of us to take our own, to give ourselves our own authority and to begin to really do this work. You know, uh, Gurdjieff, the wild, crazy Armenian philosopher, said that we're machines. And at any moment, we can become human, and that takes work. The Buddha used the word practice. It's, it's the same. We have to do something. Or if, like some of the existential writers and playwrights, uh, Beckett wrote a play where one of the concerns was sitting in the corner waiting. And we could wait forever. So how do we actively engage in our journey? And is there a way to do practices where we'll be supported and and uh, receiving guidance and support, having a muse, having a teacher, having guides is so important um, so that we need to do the work though. And that's why I did. I added practices. I wasn't going to do practices until the next book the next book is going into more specifics, <laughs> excuse me, more specifics about going into the portal, how to do it, and so on. But we were very clear that um, wanted to do practices in this book um, so people can begin um, or enhance uh, their own personal practice. Um, and, and, you know, I'm always here if people would like to ask questions or uh, be guided along along that journey. Yeah. 
Well, I personally think the practice. I, I really like the practices. I'm I'm a person who likes to apply what I've read, you know, to to my life. I mean, you know, especially if it's you know with the hope of making it you know, more peaceful, happier, joy joyful. And um, but sometimes it's hard um, to for me to be able to translate knowledge into practice, you know, and and what I like about yours is you you know suggest practices, but but people can modify them to their needs. But at least it's a it can get the thought processes going as to you know what to try. Well, that's right, and yeah. uh, there's a, a number of different practices throughout the book um, that we can uh, uh, go to, um, and. By just doing some of these, or even just play with one, that may lead to your creating your own practices um, that, again, work it for you, that open those portals within yourself. Um, that's really the gift. And we want to gift ourselves. You know, today, so many people... If you say to someone, well, let's, you know, I'd really like to have dinner with you or let's have lunch or let's, you know, get together and just have a good time. It feels like a pat answer today is, I would love to, but I'm so busy. Mm -hmm. I'm so busy. We need to take time. And the time that we want to gift ourselves is to allow moments of Shabbat, of a Sabbath time, moving from ordinary time, which is that daily thing that we do, whether it's work, uh, school, family, that we do. And just give ourselves, even if it's three minutes, a few times a day or longer when we can take and I can talk, for me, it's taking very long walks every day. But we want to be able to gift ourselves liminal time. Moving from the linear sense of time where we're toiling, where we're working, where we're studying, where we're doing these things, to a time which is almost floating. It's a time where we're spacious and where we can go into these portals within ourselves and just be receiving and bringing these in. And the different practices um, that are in the book or that we may offer ourselves um, are wonderful ways um, to go into these liminal uh, time and space and, and how to, you know, again, get into that reflective uh, uh, mode. And we have to see this, well, have to. It'd be wonderful to see this as a gift that we give to ourselves every day. And, uh, again, one of the greatest gifts from Abraham Heschel, Abraham Joshua Heschel said, he wrote one of the most extraordinary books. It's just a short, he's written great books. But his shortest book is just called The Sabbath, Sabbath or Shabbat. I, I barely can read that little book without crying. Wow. And the cries are just the place of gifting that moment of ordinary time, thanking ordinary time for what I do during the week or even in that day, and saying, I'm putting you on the side for a little while. You go sit in the other room. Now I'm taking this very special time where I get to communicate with the deeper self, with that sacred being, and to really do that in a place where we even allow ourselves, whether it's just great laughter or tears and, and whatever arises within us, that we just allow it to continue rather than stopping it because we have, we're so busy and we have to go back to whatever it is. Just, just even, you know, for, so I'll tell you, it was an amazing gift to myself. When I returned, I was living, we were living in New Zealand and then Tasmania, and then returned to the U.S. 
and I gave a, gave up my car. I I realized the car, although it got me to where I needed to go, it really got in the way because I'm dealing with the traffic. I'm dealing with watching people around me, whether it's pedestrians or bicyclists, whatever, the lights, the stop signs, the, everything. I couldn't get moments of that reflective time I was longing for. And instead I went, well, what am I going to do now? <laughs> so now, so today, for example, I had to get to Home Depot, mm-hmm. and then I needed to go to the natural food store. So I walked to Home Depot, and then I walked from Home Depot to the store, and then I walked home. And that was, I guess, around, I don't know, four miles um, or so. Mm-hmm. Every day I seem to walk seven or eight or so miles. Now, what's accomplishing there? When I walk, I'm in a very deep place within myself. I've, my walking is a very powerful meditation for me. My body is feeling great walking. It's good for my heart. It's good for my cardiovascular system. It's good for my endocrine system if I ate some sugar, which I try not to do much of. It's good for my inner realm to explore things that I couldn't do in the car. And I drift. I allow my being to go off. And that's probably one of the greatest practices that I see as a gift that I've given to myself. And I do this daily. And the best way that I've now done it is by I don't own a car. Mm-hmm. So I, I have to walk a lot. And if it's you created far, the situation, yeah. Mm-hmm. I've created the situation, and if I'm going to the airport or someplace further, then I'll I'll deal with what I need to do, take a Lyft or Uber. Right. Mm-hmm. But I chose to live in an environment where I can walk to about 90% of the things I want to do, from the arts to Right, including fine art and theater and music to getting to healthy restaurants and the markets and things I need to do or, and choose to do, I do most of it on my feet. And it's not just walking, oh, my God, i got to get there. I've only had five minutes. I don't do that. If I only have five minutes, it might be ten um, because that's my time to go off and do my practice And what I happen to do, if something enters in that I have to do something about, I stop and I start writing poetry or I I write whatever is arising in me, and then I'll come back later and review it. Um, So how do we give ourselves those interesting moments in our life? How do we take a Sabbath moment, a Sabbath day, a Sabbath longer than a day, a week, a month, whatever. How do we fit these within our lives so that we're reframing the story of the day of the way that we do these daily walks? Yeah, you know, I um, wrote my first book called uh, Joy Potential in, in 2012, and that at that time um, I had I had tried had tried to write a book for years. I mean. Like 15, 20 years, and um, it was only during. And I walk every morning. Um, that's my time. I just, you know, like you, I just. It's just. Um, I really get balanced, you know. And um, when the idea for the the book came, um, I I was on a walk. I thought, oh my god, I need to get back and write it down. And and of course I. I I was going to hurry, but I thought, no, just take your time. And and of course as I was walking the. You know, the idea unfolded more and more, and then, then, then over the course of the next nine months, it was you know walk, learn you know what you're going to write next, and then write. And you know, and, and on rainy days uh, when I couldn't walk, I tried to write, and it just didn't work. And I thought, oh my God, you know what's going on? Don't tell me it's going to stop. But, but I had you know, on the next sunny day, I walked and I got more. But it got to the point where now you know, and initially I was the kind of you know, I mean, there were days like 
I don't have time to walk. You know, I need to get this done and that done. And and then, you know, and there were a couple of days in the beginning of the process that that happened and that won out. You know, but then, you know, as the day wore on, I recognized that I wasn't as productive as I was on the days I took that time. So, you know, then, you know, it was one of those cases where it then got me in the habit of recognizing my morning walk as as my reset kind of for the day or set for the day. And um, and it's just, a, to me, you know, I, I do that now, you know, eight years later, I do the same thing. So um, it, it's really important. And then I think for those listening, you know, go for a walk, you know, uh, and um, force yourself to, to do that, you know, and and it does it does allow you the opportunity for your mind to be introspective. You're, you don't have to pay attention to lights and signs and, and pedestrians and, you know, all that kind of thing. You just have to kind of look at what's the next step ahead of you. Well, that's exactly right. Sometimes I don't see the next step either. Uh, I've <laughs> I definitely wandered off at times. Um, of course, I like getting lost. Um, and so it's, uh, you know, sometimes I realize getting lost is really going to somewhere I really wanted to go. I just didn't know I wanted to get there. Um, but I can't think of anything more wonderful that I've offered myself than walking. Um, and I do it. I do it around the world. I do it wherever I, I just, I love walking. So it, and uh, yeah, what a wonderful uh, offer yeah. to give ourselves. It is, it is. And now, with um, the, there was one more um, of the qualities of the heart that I wanted to touch on. And again, there are eight qualities. People listening, you know, we can go ahead and uh, you can get the book and go through the the details. But the one that I I really wanted to make sure we talked about too before the end of the show was um, the opening. Um, Opening. Um, And in that one, you know, talks about, you know, to um, kind of re-encounter the world as if you were a child. Kind of, you know, go back and look at what you experienced as a child and how things have changed. And to me that was... um, that one took me a little while to um, get into the flow of that, you know, because I wasn't used to, you know, kind of going back and, you know, recounting childhood perspective. Um, but um, it, it seems like that's an important piece um, to really get in touch with the heart. Is it not? Oh yeah, it sure is. And, I changed the chapter entirely because it was a different word. And a couple of my mentors said to me, we don't so much see that word, Arnie. With you, we see you. You invite people in. You open to people. And I went, oh, my God, open. It is about opening. And we need to be in a place, well, if we choose to be in a place that Uh is spacious, are we open to actually meet ourselves, to meet the other, you know, to, to gift that to ourselves, or are we closed and we think that we're available, there's a big difference. And when I feel that sense of meeting, meeting the thou, meeting myself, meeting the other, I then recognize I need to therefore be open and spacious. And so it's a really powerful piece because so many of us, us tell ourselves or believe that we're open and then we catch ourselves on stuff that we find out, again, we're holding some possible belief, uh, something that we actually think is real, 
when in fact it's getting in the way of of a transition. And an example could be a, a book. William Bridges wrote this wonderful book on the way of transition. And he talks about many of us see in the distance some place, whether it's in our mind or in our heart or a physical place, that we would like to transition to. And we might even take steps toward that. And then there's this void, this dark, murky place. And we step into that place and we get really uncomfortable and we fall back. And so many times you'll hear saying, someone will say, well, it's the devil I know. I'd rather stick Mm -hmm. with this because at least I know it. I'm saying in the not knowing, are we open to wonder? Just the whole idea. Rather than the fear, think about it as wonder. And wonder is such an extraordinary, to me, I just say, oh, my Lord, I love wonder. (laughs) And to just allow that wonder to go throughout the pores, to play and tickle us in our being, and to have such a good time that we begin to say, getting lost actually can be quite an adventure. I'm open to getting lost. I'm open to playing with this wonder. And not knowing is a really, what a great place that is. We think we have to know all the time. It could be a burden. So sometimes I love, for me actually now, it's many times, not knowing is a whole lot more refreshing than knowing. Yeah, so, I agree. Now, um, for me, when I when I drive, I have never met a U-turn I didn't like. <laughs> Adjusting direction. I embrace it. Rather than some people I know who ride with me don't like it. But it's like, hey, that's okay. Yeah. Just change the direction. <laughs> What's the big deal? That's so, right. Um, that's all right. Yeah. So I'm uh-huh. going to read one. Do I have a moment to read one more? Yes, quick you one? do. Yes. Perfect. Yes. Mm-hmm. Might be a good way to bring. Do you open to the other connection, making sacred your time on earth? Can you say yes? Meeting fully as though God asked to come on home. Is wonder a part of you? Do you long for the sweet smell of juices, awakening you from slumber with a kiss upon your lips? Are you tingling all over, as though children are playing with no inhibitions throughout your body? Are you laughing yet? So silly, you know you're alive. Then you are ready to touch another. You are now prepared to share the gift of new birth. Just be you. Just be. Be God. Wow. That's a perfect closing to our show today. I, thank you. Um, that, that's great. Um, and I've enjoyed speaking with you. Now, uh, I have started following you on Instagram um, and uh, asked for the connection on LinkedIn. And, and also on your homepage, people can do the same and also subscribe to your YouTube channel and, and Google+. Plus. So I've really enjoyed speaking with you, Arnie. This has really been a treat. And, and your, your book has uh, asked of me a lot of questions for me to examine, and, uh, and I like that, and I appreciate that. Well, thank you very much. This was a great hour. I loved it. Great. Thank you you very much. Thank you. And I look forward to following your journey, uh, your active journey as it is. So I'm sure we'll keep in touch. You have a great day. That's wonderful. I look forward to it. Take care. Thank you. You as well. Again, everyone, today my very special guest has been Arnie Fryman. We have been talking about his new book, Befriending Your Stranger, An Active Journey to Inner Joy. And again, you can find out more about Arnie and his book by visiting his website, which is arniefryman.com, and that's A-R-N-I-E, 
F-R-E-I-M-A-N.com. So everyone, I want to thank you for joining us for this edition of the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. And until we meet again. Thank you for tuning in. You've been listening to the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. Be sure to visit our website at www.byteradio.me. That's B-I-T-E-R-A-D-I-O dot M-E. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter at Byte Radio Me. And our shows are also available as a free podcast from iTunes. And until we meet again, remember to be a bright light by bringing inspiration to your world and to the lives of those you touch.